3: Good afternoon and welcome in to this September 9th edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons. Family-owned, full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Spencer Punick, verselini and Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us here. Started about four minutes early. We have a lot to touch on today. Uh, we'll start it out here talking preview of the Martinsburg and uh, Sharando game, and then we'll preview rest around the EPAC. And the next segment, we'll talk Shepard, Have some bites from uh, Coach Ernie McCook, Marlon Cook, the receiver, and Dwayne Grantham. We'll also preview WVU and Marshall. And at twelve thirty, we'll be joined by Grant Paulson of 106.7, The Fan in DC to talk Commanders. And then at twelve forty-five, segment we'll wrap it up talking Steelers, Ravens, and the rest of the NFL, and kind of outlook on last or you know talk a little bit about last night's game as well. Oh, uh, but guys, Martinsburg, Sharando, Sharando coming in two zero as well. Um, just going to be a big matchup.
4: Yeah, it is, and it's the first road test for Martinsburg. It's a shorter drive than what they had to do last year, so it should be fine. I think this team is geared up and ready to go. Sharando, it seems like, is definitely improved after last year. Their defense has been pretty solid, and their offense has exploded in both of their matchups that they've played so far but I still think Martinsburg gets the job done tonight and offensively, hopefully along in the first half and second half, they explode.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be important for Martinsburg tonight because we haven't seen a quick start for the offense. Well, they did have a quick start offensively, but not a complete, I guess, uh, dominating first half and a complete dominating game yet. Uh, In game one, the defense came out really strong and put some stuff together In game two, the defense was still pretty good because one of those touchdowns that must have been scored uh, was on the fumble recovery, but still, you know, they gave up 20 points in that first half. So I think it'll be interesting to see if Martinsburg can dominate for a full game tonight or if Sherando is going to be a team that really challenges Martinsburg for the full four quarters. So I think that's kind of the intrigue with tonight's matchup. Um... I would give the edge to the Bulldogs still, even though Sherando is a much improved team. Uh, I just don't think that they'll improve enough to really keep this one too close tonight. But I, I I think it's an intriguing matchup, especially early in the season, to see kind of where both these teams are at this point in the year.
3: Yeah, and uh, here's Coach Sherman talking about Shirando yesterday when we caught up with him. Well, Shrando's is a great program They're a little bit down last year, but they're one of those teams that you know I respect a lot
0: because they continue to play us and keep us on the schedule um, Unlike some of the other schools in the in the area that from Winchester and like Hagerstown area and things like that um, But they've been good. I mean, they're not far removed from being a four a runners up themselves And, and uh, coach Smith has taken over for coach Hall and believe me I understand how that is as far as taking over and stuff like that So he's doing a great job and um uh, you know he's got him he's got to move in the right direction. They're two and zero to beat a really good Jefferson team last week. So you know we've got to really really get down there and be able to you know play a great game and and not make mistakes and and make sure that uh, we do the things that we need to do to win.
3: And I think not making mistakes is going to be key. They did that the last couple of weeks in the first half, although able to recover in the second half like we know Martinsburg can do. Uh, but I think you got to kind of show that you can't be what you did the last couple weeks and that you're going to take control of the game early. Because we know Martinsburg will take control of the game at some point, but you obviously want to see that early.
4: Well, they had it early last week against Musselman. It was a two-score game. They just kind of let it slip and let Musselman back into the game. That's what I want to see tonight is making sure you get those two scores and the lead continues to increase and you don't let a team come back into the game whether it's on an error because that's how it was for uh, the one against Musselman. The first touchdown was the scoop and score, and then the next one was a kind of fluke play that, yeah, it should have been a false start, but at the same time, you got to play until the whistle blows. It's both sides there. You can't just stop and think, oh, there should be a flag here. you got to make sure that in instances like that, that the play stops you got to make the stop and they didn't
0: well i think it's important for them to recognize as a team and i think for the most part they probably do recognize this but you can't just turn it on and turn it off when you want to uh especially when you get into the playoffs and you start playing some really good teams and you're playing good teams right now obviously but that's like winner go home situations and you don't want to just kind of turn it off and turn it on so I think it's it's going to be important for Martinsburg to play that complete game and not, uh, you know, struggle at points in the game. But we'll see. I mean, really, Shrando is a good program, so they could be, you know, really one of the tougher teams Martinsburg faces this year, for all we know. I mean, it's so early in the year, it's hard to get a good read on these teams. But they handled Jefferson pretty good last week, and uh, they are 2-0. and So it sets up for i think a good opportunity for martinsburg to continue to grow continue to challenge themselves in the non-conference They really scored
3: 96 points and only given up 31
0: yeah and and this early part of the season for martinsburg is where they're going to be playing you know some of the tougher teams not only around this area but in just in general i mean most of these non-conference games here are early in the season so it'll be a good look i think for both teams and uh like i said though i think it's important that this team plays consistently because inconsistent things have happened in the game not necessarily that they have to be you know up like 30 nothing at halftime i don't think that's necessarily what you want to see but i think
4: i mean it'd be nice
0: yeah but i don't (laughs) think that necessarily means that they didn't play consistently is what i'm saying i agree with that um they just need to kind of you know execute for for four quarters i think will be really what you want to see
3: Yeah, it definitely will be, and again, we'll have that for you tonight, 7 p.m., 6 p.m., pregame show, Talk Radio, WRNR, TV10, WRNR-TV on YouTube. Um, Let's move over to the rest of the EPAC. Uh, Big key matchup in uh, Shenandoah Junction as Jefferson host Musselman. Uh, That kind of is going to be a key game for who's 2-3, really, because you think right now the way it's shaping out, Hedgesville's number two, based upon the records right now. Hedgesville's Hedges number one.
0: They're tied for number one.
3: Yes, but if you we put them at number two because points, if you do points scored.
0: Yes, okay. Yeah. So if you want to make a tiebreaker there. but All but right, but uh, Jefferson, Musselman,
3: this is kind of going to be who's going to be two or three, and then maybe who's going to fall down the pack this year.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree with that for the most part. Um, but again, we haven't seen Hedgesville matched up against a big-time opponent yet, I feel like. So they could potentially be better than Musselman and Jefferson. We don't really know. We haven't seen them play each other, but it is a big game, I think, for playoffs, and it's a rivalry game. It's an EPAC game, and it, it will tell us a lot more, I think, about both of these teams. I'm leaning toward Musselman tonight, I think they get the win, based on how Jefferson played last week and kind of the week before, but it should be, I think, a competitive football game, and if Jefferson were to bounce back and get this win, then Maybe they're finding themselves still in the playoffs. I mean, I think they'll find themselves in the playoffs because I don't think their schedule is super difficult in the non-conference. But um, I think Mussman's the better team, so I think they'll win tonight.
3: Yeah, and I think the key here for Jefferson is how much of a leash is your quarterback on? Do you start a different quarterback? How much of a leash is your starting quarterback on?
4: Yeah, because four turnovers last year is what we heard. Or we can- last week, yes, thank you is what we heard from Coach Hunter earlier in the week for that loss against Sherando, and I agree. Should Quentin Goins be on a short leash? I think yes, if he starts turning the ball over again. I don't know if all of the turnovers were his fault, but still, you got to be a leader, and you got to be able to bounce back, and that's the thing that I'm really looking for tonight from both of these teams is how do they respond coming out of big losses on both sides or things at first were going your way and then it slipped how do you respond
3: yeah and i think i think musselman comes out on top on this one i do too i think nick also picked musselman yep yep all right let's move over to hedgesville they're two and oh they're facing a uh one and one east fairmont team from double a uh, i think that this is a big win for Hedgesville, and it kind of shows that they're going to be 3-0, and and that's one less win than they had last year. So they're already three three games in. They'll already have one less win than they had last year, and it's just going to pump them up towards the rest of the
0: season. Yeah, I think Hedgesville has a good chance to win tonight. Um, I don't I think, think their defense necessarily has played a lot lock, better this year. But their defense has played well. Their offense has explosive football players. Um, you know, We saw against Washington what they were able to do in that second half, and we saw last week – what they were able to do against Ward County. So it's a high-powered offense led by uh, Rue West, a quarterback. They have Whaley at running back, and, and they got you know Tanner Matthew and uh, Marden on the outside. So they have big-time playmakers, a wide receiver, and they've proven to be a, a pretty tough team to play so far this year. I think they have the edge here against East Fairmont, who I think is a pretty solid program in AA, but definitely not you know a powerhouse there. Uh, so I would go with Hedgesville. I'd give them the edge in this win. In I this am one. too.
4: And before I get in trouble, I want to make sure that our listeners and viewers are aware that I'm not comparing Hedgesville to Martinsburg here. I'm just saying that Hedgesville, well, you haven't gotten any needs in the to comments. do what we said Martinsburg needs to do. That I want to see from them, and that's execute all four quarters. Yeah, we saw the week one game against Washington, in which. It was a slow start. They were down 15 nothing last week. Hedgesville was down at the half as well, but were able to respond and make adjustments in the second half. I want to see the Eagles execute all four quarters, offensively and defensively, and dominate this game.
3: Spring Mills taking on South Hagerstown. South Hagerstown, I was talking to Rob earlier. His Oakdale team played him last week. They had two big linemen uh, that can certainly that played both sides of the ball, that can certainly uh, stop the run and potentially have some big sacks today. Uh, But I think Spring Mills gets win number two tonight.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's a lock for the Cardinals. And since we don't know too much about South Hagerstown besides what we've kind of heard from Rob, it's a a tough game to pick for me. Um, I think the Cardinals could definitely find a way to win, but they are a young team and – I'll go with them since they're the Eastern Panhandle team and I want to see them win, but I'm not certain it's going to be like a guaranteed lock win for them.
4: I'll agree. I still think that Spring Mills gets it done. I'm going with uh, two scores. I like Max Anderson and the team that they have.
3: All right. Final game in the EPAC tonight 0 2 Washington looking for their first win against A Power 2 0 Frankfurt. It's going to be a very tough game for Washington. They got to get out early. Uh, dig- to get the win I think coming back we've talked about it all week is going to be hard for them Uh, I want them to get a win because I I don't want to see an 0-3 team in the pack.
4: I want to see them get a win too but I'm going to be realistic and I don't think it's going to happen tonight Frankfurt is a really tough program and I think that uh, the Falcons unfortunately are
0: going to win easily I think Washington could make it close, uh, but they've just struggled to execute in some key areas. So I'm going to go with Frankfurt tonight. All right, that'll do it for this
3: segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Parsons Ford at 1400 Shepherdstown Road or online at ParsonsFord.com. If they became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com. Parsons. Uh, We'll be back for more on the other side of this break. Talk some Shepard, got some sound bites from Coach McCook, and a familiar player to the Eastern Panhandle. Plus, we'll talk a little WVU and Marshall. We come back after this two minute break. Continue in the sports mix on Talk Radio, WRNR, and tv 10
0: It's the excitement of NCAA Division II football on TV 10, featuring the Shepard University Rams. Play action. Bajan looking toward the wheel route for Ryan Beach. He makes the catch, dives for the end zone. Touchdown, Shepard. Join us this Saturday for Shepard's home opener as the Edinburgh Fighting Scots invade Ram Stadium. Kickoff is set for 12 p.m. with pregame coverage beginning at 1130. Right here on your Eastern
2: Panhandle Sports Leader, Comcast Channel 10, and WRNR-TV on YouTube.
3: Welcome back into this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today as uh, we got Shepherd football home opener tomorrow down at Ram Stadium in Shepherdstown. We'll have all the action for you on TV 10 WRNR TV on YouTube. Uh, 12 p.m. kickoff, 1130 pregame. Nick, you want to play this sound bite as you caught up with head coach Ernie McCook prior to, uh, to tomorrow's contest.
0: Edinburgh's on a five-game winning streak. Uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They play well in all three phases. They play great team football, where the offense complements the defense, the defense complements special teams, special teams complements the offense. Uh, they're going to be very good in the kicking game. We're going to be ready for anything that might be unexpected in the kicking game. Their head coach has got a significant special teams background. Uh, offensively, you know, they're going to try and run the football and be very balanced, distribute the football and play field position. Uh, defensively, they're attacking. They want to harass you. They want to create turnovers and put, put a lot of stress on you that way. So we've got to execute at a high level. Hopefully, we'll get better from week one to week two and, and and eliminate some of the mistakes we made from week one.
3: All right, that was head coach Ernie McCook. You can catch the full interview tomorrow during the W. Harley Miller Systems pregame show starting at 1130. Nick, we talked about it yesterday, the kicking game. And uh, their kicking game, very dynamic. Their punter, very dynamic. Uh, He also plays on the defense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Reed Martin able to play both uh, offense and defense, or special teams and defense. Don't know why I was thinking offense, but he did make the game-winning field goal. He recorded five tackles. He had two pass breakups, uh, and he's their punter and their kicker. Four punts inside the 20, so special teams could play a big factor and in the past we know Shepard has struggled on special teams Mm -hmm. so I think that's another reason why coach McCook highlighted it because we saw Southern Connecticut State uh, have some big kickoff returns even though they didn't do much with them Um, you know the Rams are going to have to execute on special teams and it's kind of a two-year thing where early in the season they just had issues on special teams and it cost them a game against Kutztown and it just made games closer at times due to some kickoff returns and stuff like that so I think that's why he highlighted it for a big reason. Um, More so, I think it's more about what other special teams, especially against a team that uh, takes pride in it and uh, has a coach that has that background.
3: And we mentioned a little bit about defense. Uh, One key contributor last week was uh, the transfer uh, from Lackawanna Community College, but also a Martinsburg native in Dwayne Grantham. You caught up with him this week. Very humble about being able to come back to the Panhandle and play his first game in the Panhandle since playing for Martinsburg.
1: It's very special, you know, um, just reuniting with Bajan and all of the other Martinsburg natives and alums around here. Uh, it's kind of like, it's, it's it's family, it's a bond, you know. Uh, the Rams, they brought me in, they showed me a lot of love, you know, uh, treat me like family, just like at Martinsburg. You know, these guys brought me in from here, and. Uh, Just allow me to be be something special, a part of their program. You know, something special they got going on, and it's just nice showing uh, all the all the local support, all the home support from the fans and uh, community around here. It's just it's it's just been a pleasure.
3: And Dwayne had a stellar you know debut for the Rams, but uh, I think he could have an even better game this week in bunch in front of the home crowd and and some of the people special to him.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, eight solo tackles, two interceptions. It's gonna be hard to. Hard to beat that, but you can (laughs) get close to it. Uh, Especially the interceptions, but just a really good athlete. You know, he had originally committed to WVU. Unfortunately, things didn't get work out there, so he ends up at Lackawanna uh, and works his way back into college football here, the Division II level at Shepard. So um, going from Juco to Shepard, and there's some Lackawanna guys on the team that he helped recruit. So uh, overall, I think Dwayne Grantham's – going to have an excellent season for the Rams. Really excited to see what he does. Part of this young defense that has a ton of potential, I think, this year for Shepard. So, uh, you know, Edinburgh's a run-first football team, so we'll see what kind of impact he's able to make in that game. Yes, and uh, you did catch up with Marlon Cook. He was on
3: the uh, D.C. Area Touchdown Club. Uh, He's got an interesting story. I think we might want to try to highlight that later in the season, but uh, here's your soundbite with him.
1: Tyson is amazing. Tyson's the best quarterback hands down I ever played with, um, and like like you said, if defenses focus on me, they focus on anybody else. That next person's gonna gonna do the same exact thing that I do. Like, and what's what I love about this team is we all have depth, and from the top from the bottom, you, everybody can ball. So if you if you worried about me too much. Beach is going to go crazy. We're about Beach too much. Uh, Max going to go crazy. we about Max. Kent, you know what I'm saying? We have so much depth that anybody can really go off any, any given day.
3: And I think that just goes to show what this team is all about is that, you know, Marlon Cook, a guy that has been on this team for a while, finally getting to shine. And uh, there's a lot of weapons on offense. And, and he was able to do so last game while also having a successful night for Ryan Beach.
0: Yeah. I, he's already graduated. So, you know, very intelligent guy and – Uh, I think what he brings to the offense is one size. You know, a 6'2", 6'3", wide receiver. Shepard really didn't have that. I mean, they had Josh Gontarek last year who stood about 6'1", but Cook's a big guy to go up and and make some plays uh, in the red zone. So eight catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns, and really your first opportunity uh, playing for this team. So a big impact wide receiver. I think it's a dynamic offense this year, and we could see a huge year from Marlon Cook and Ryan Beach. Uh, just like last year, you know we saw big moments from Greg Leonard, Josh Gantarek, and Beach. Expect something else like like this. Shepard offense just has so many weapons, and a lot of that does get credited to Tyson Bagent, but you don't want to discredit these wide receivers and their uh, to make plays after the catch and do stuff like that.
3: Yeah, and you'll have more to come on the W Harley Miller Systems pregame shows tomorrow, starting at eleven thirty a.m. on TV Ten WRNR TV on YouTube. Kickoff between Edinburgh and Shepherd set for just afternoon. Be sure to tune into that other game you can hear on the airwaves of Talk Radio WRNR tomorrow is WVU. They're playing Kansas six p.m. three p.m. Uh, pregame coverage from the Mountaineer Sports Network and Colin. Uh, you said yesterday, if WVU doesn't win tomorrow, it's really bad, basically, is what you said, without maybe saying those exact words. Uh, they are no,
4: I'll, favored by I'm 13 and a half. If you somehow lose to Kansas, being favored by change 13 the locks and a half. on Neil Brown and get him out of there. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Like, th- this is the first night game in four years in Morgantown. So it's not really even a night game, though, because it's a 6 p.m. game. It's evening game. First evening game. Them. They're making it
3: to be a night game, but it's not really a night game. I
4: mean, the lights will be on.
3: Yes, but it's not like an 8 p.m. game.
4: Okay, thanks, I guess. Uh, where was I going now before this?
0: Your thoughts on the matchup, Colin.
4: Yeah, quickly. Donaldson needs to have a big game. Feed the young guy. I liked him against Pitt. Should have been fed more. Do so this week.
3: All right. And the Mountaineers better sing for the moment tomorrow
4: and country roads after the moment.
3: All right, there you go. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. We come back. We'll be joined by uh, show host on 106.7 The Fan, DC Grant Paulson. He'll break down the Commanders as they start the season this Sunday against the Jags. Segment sponsored in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store. Any longer cabinets than designer bedding, outdoor living. It is family-owned and operated right here in Martinsburg. Go to Orsini's.com for more. They're looking at 360 Hack Wilson away. We'll be back in about two minutes. Stay tuned.
4: After another dominating performance, the Martinsburg Bulldogs travel to Strando this Friday night to take on the Warriors. Bajan shotgun formation, two receivers each side. Screen pass caught by Jameer Hunter. Hunter breaks off a tackle in the middle, and he's into the end zone. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Jameer Hunter, get through that. Tune in at 6 p.m. Friday night for the pregame show with kickoff at 7 p.m. right
2: here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Now, back to the sports mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AMC and TV 10.
3: Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today. Colin, hopefully the commanders aren't their own worst enemy on Sunday.
4: I'm glad you practiced that to make sure you got it correctly before we came out. I did not practice
3: that. I was just like, oh, let's play this song. All right. Well, uh, to talk commanders, we'll be joined right now on the program. Welcome him in is Grant Paulson, 1067, the fan in DC. He's covered the commanders for a long time. How are you doing today, Grant? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing great. Ready for some Commanders football. You can hear the Commanders all season long on Talk Radio WRNR. Uh, But uh, they have an interesting home opener this weekend. Going to be without Chase Young. Could be without Cam Curl. Uh, That defense is going to be – it's really a make-or-break year for this defense. Yeah,
1: it certainly is. And as you said, they'll be a little bit undermanned, at least without Young for a month. And and we'll see what happens with Cam Curl, even if he plays, which at this point I would say would, would be surprising to me. I can't imagine he'll be at 100% here in week one uh, having just had surgery. But I think it's important for Jack Del Rio's group to, to get off to a fast start. You've got Jacksonville with a young quarterback in year two and Trevor Lawrence and then a the Detroit team with decent weapons. But you know, middle-of-the-pack quarterback in the National Football League and Jared Goff with the Rams moved on from a couple years ago to upgrade to try to go in their Super Bowl. Uh, so when you – have kind of a soft landing spot from the QB position. You're not dealing with an elite guy or an upper echelon passer in these first couple of weeks. I think you got to do everything you can to just get off the field on third down. If you can stop the run, obviously, you set yourself up ahead of the six defensively. Uh, they were one of the worst teams in each of the last couple of years. That at third down defense, I think that's an area to monitor. And I'm really curious about this pass rush fans. Chase Young and Montez Sweat had a great camp and a strong preseason. Opposite him, they're going to have James Smith Williams lead a cavalry of some former seventh-round picks and some waiver-wire type guys that they've claimed. One free-agent addition this offseason in and FA Obata. So, I'm I'm interested to see if they can get to the quarterback and get home and force the ball out. But they've got to be better defensively. They were 26 last year out of 32 teams in DBOA, which just isn't going to cut it.
3: And you talk about that defense. You can't not talk about the linebacker position. Didn't seem like they went up. They went out and upgraded it. Uh, but they're going to play an interesting defense with, like I believe, only one to maybe two linebackers on the field at a time. What's this linebacker room look like? Jamin Davis needs to take a big jump this year, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, they, he certainly does. I mean, they drafted him in the top twenty, and you just can't miss on those picks. He had a really disappointing rookie year, and. And frankly, just didn't deserve to be on the field for much of last season. so he was supplanted at times by a guy who's primarily a special teamer and David Mayo. Uh, having said that, they aren't going to use a whole lot of traditional inside linebacker types, right? In this defense, they're going to have two linebacker looks, as you mentioned, uh, running like a five, two, four, and, and then a, even a five one five at times from what I've been told where maybe Cole Holcomb's the only linebacker on the field. Holcomb's pretty good. They're moving him inside the mic bigger role for him, something of a mission so that they didn't have to spend some money this offseason. It's odd because Rivera, as a former linebacker on the 85 Bears, and Del Rio, who was a good linebacker as a player in his own right there, D.C., played that position. But it's certainly not a priority. They feel like in today's NFL, that's a spot that gets exposed by the way offenses operate and the amount of receivers being used now as it is. You guys just saw the Rams and the Bills last night who had three and four receivers on the field most of the night. You know, a lot of the league does that. So the linebacker position is kind of less important than it's ever been. And, and they're taking that to the extreme, but Cole Holcomb's got to be good and Jamin Davis just has to be a lot better. I mean, he, he didn't look like he belonged for much of last season and uh, they can't afford that, you know, especially because they don't have a lot of proven depth behind him. There, there are very few guys with much experience at all and other than John Bostic, who they just re-signed, who was available for a reason and, and coming off of an injury last year.
4: All right, my question to you, Grant, is how are you feeling about this game? Because the vibe I'm getting is too similar for my liking to last year's season opener at home, in which Washington's coming out, having a brand-new quarterback with the team, organization-wise, that is an old veteran who we hope does well but won't be sure about going up against a team that is young and upcoming, led by... Another second year quarterback who is supposed to eventually become an elite quarterback in the league. Should Washington be worried about this matchup and not underestimate Jacksonville, which almost seemed like they were underestimating the Chargers last year?
1: Yeah, so it's a compelling comp. I hadn't really thought of it, but there are certainly some fair comparisons. Uh the, the one big difference being obviously Herbert was coming off of the greatest rookie season than any quarterback had ever had and had already kind of established himself as a viable franchise QB. And Trevor Lawrence had a terrible rookie year, frankly. And it was disappointing because I really thought highly of him as a prospect, and I still do. I think he'll be really good. But, I mean, the the juxtaposition between Herbert and Lawrence as rookies is about as stark as as you're going to find. The Chargers, just a more talented team coming to FedEx Field a year ago than the Jaguars who spent big this offseason are. But they're much improved. They're really, really fast and young in their linebacking core. I think their defense could be frisky. Uh, You're going to make a lot of mistakes because they are very youthful. There's some exuberance there. But they're also unbelievably athletic, including Trayvon Walker on the edge they just drafted, number one overall out of Georgia. who has got one of the more athletic profiles you'll ever see coming off the edge. Uh, Went number one despite not having as much college production as like Aiden Hutchinson. For a reason. I mean, you just don't find that speed and that athleticism and that ability to move at his size very often. Uh, So I'm interested in watching that defense, which we didn't really see unleashed. They weren't doing a whole lot when they were on the field this preseason. But the story for them is their offense. They hired Doug Peterson to fix Trevor Lawrence to help him make strides. They get Travis Etienne back, who was lost for the year before his rookie season got started last year. I think he'll be a fixture out of the backfield in their passing game. Uh, They spent money on Christian Kirk at wide receiver, so they've now got some weapons. They've surrounded Trevor Lawrence with some help. You know, they brought in Brandon Sheriff, the longtime Redskin Washington football team offensive guard who's their only player who's been a first-team All-Pro here in D.C. since 1996, believe it or not. Uh, so he's coming back to FedEx Field. So I think it's a, a, a team that's much improved, but that could mean six, seven wins, right? I mean, they picked first in the draft. So if you are going to be an above 500 playoff caliber wild card type club like Washington thinks that it will be, This is a game at home that you have to win, and especially week one of a season for a sophomore quarterback in a new offense, right? I mean, you've got to – you're catching them at a better time than, say, if you were playing Jacksonville in December. And I've always been a proponent of uh, an axiom that Mike Shanahan taught me when I was covering him years ago. He said to me once, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. Jacksonville late in the year, when Lawrence has grasped this offense and they've kind of gelled and come together, you know, maybe they're a little bit more daunting a task, but – In this first game under Peterson with all new schemes, I'd like to think Washington can get off to a fast start.
0: Grant, what's your thoughts uh, on the running back situation? Obviously, Gibson uh, was kind of replaced by Brian Robinson, and then that situation happened, and uh, now Antonio Gibson's back as the lead back. Uh, How do you think that, I guess, will uh, perform on Sunday?
1: I think Robinson's just a better running back as a ball carrier, and I don't think it's particularly close. So I guess my questions would be, A, when is he healthy and available? And then, B, is he back to the guy we saw in the preseason who had overtaken Gibson in the matter of a couple games? If he is the same guy and he hasn't lost any explosiveness or burst or twitch coming back from the injury or the knee, know, wasn't as, as devastating as a setback as we saw originally thought. I mean, getting shot in the knee just sounds awful uh, and so scary. You know, if he's the same guy we last saw, then he's going to get more carries than Gibson from when he gets back to the end of the season. I don't have any um thoughts other than that. I mean, he's just, I just think he's superior as a vision cutter, um pressing the hole. He's just a natural rusher. Gibson, wide receivers, you guys know at Memphis, it just didn't come necessarily naturally. Now, as for Gibson, he was one of seven running backs who ran for a 1,000 yards last year, which I think had a lot more to do with quantity. He was fourth in attempts. Then quality, uh, the metrics would tell you he left more yards that were blocked for him on the field analytically than a lot of other running backs in the league did. Um, so I like Robinson. I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense and a big part of the running game. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're Antonio Gibson, you lost your job, and now you have a chance to prove that you are worthy of touches. This is a huge, huge month for him and personally right he's got to internally be thinking i can take this job back you know if he runs for 100 yards in 3 games and they win them if he averages 4.8 5.2 yards per carry or something like that you're not taking him off the field you're riding the hot hand at that position so he's got a golden opportunity unfortunately with what happened to Brian Robinson to try to steal some workload back
3: And you move from the running backs now to the tight end room. They kept four injury questions, kind of what it is going into week one with injuries to the top three guys. Uh, You limited in practice from Logan Thomas. Do we think he plays? How much does he get if he plays?
1: Yeah, so I don't know if he's going to play. I'll start with that. But I've kind of been hedging for a few weeks and said he won't. Uh, If he does, maybe he's on some type of a pitch count. He's not going to be the Logan – Thomas that we saw a couple years ago as one of the league leaders in the second half of the season and targets and catches at the position. Uh, but I could see him maybe get a package of red zone stuff or some third down looks. Um, but I, if I had to guess, I would say he doesn't play. Uh, I think that uh, you'll probably get a peek at Cole Turner. Uh, he or John Bates, one of those two guys would go, and then maybe you know Armani Rogers on the back end of the depth chart there. But I think if if, if not... If you don't have Logan Thomas, you probably just don't have a heavy tight end reliant game plan, right? I mean, you can still run stuff with two tight ends, but you got receivers now. You drafted Jahan Dotson at number 16 overall. Curtis Samuels is back from his injury and is healthy. You just paid Terry McLaurin, who's a top 15 or so player at the position in the entire league. Cam Sims has been moved down the depth chart, who's been a guy that started for you off and on over the last couple of years. They've got the ability, I think, to spread some teams out and a quarterback that they just paid 28 million against their cap and traded a two and a three for in Carson Wentz. So my plan would be to come out three and occasionally four receivers and empty out the backfield and try to work, not necessarily down the field constantly, taking some shots, but you know, just moving the football through the air a little bit. And when you run, run against ideal fronts out of a passing look.
4: And since you just mentioned Carson Wentz, I'll ask you about him. Does he seem like he can be the quarterback that Washington's been looking for for the past few years to lead this team back to the playoffs?
1: So far, all has been well. I mean, his teammates all seem to really like him. All the commentary and analysis out of the facility has been very positive. No, there has not been anything negative yet, though. They haven't lost games. He hasn't thrown a pick. So I guess we're in wait-and-see mode there. I'm skeptical about him being a championship-level QB just because when two teams in two years move on from you, at that position where everyone's going to kick the tires as many times as they can to make sure, they're going to keep kind of emptying out that ketchup bottle to get that last drop, if you will, because it's just so hard to find a quarterback. Guys generally, third-team three years, you know, don't go on to stay there for 10 or 12 years as, you know, upper echelon type guys. So I'm skeptical just based on how we got here. But look, he's got a big arm. He's a statuesque in the pocket. He's got a, a great big body. He can take some shots. He's athletic. I think he can move in the pocket a little bit. He showed that in the preseason. He's not going to turn the ball over a ton, in my opinion. He's just seen too much and been around the game too long through seven picks all of last season as an example of that. Um, so I, I think those are all good things. And I do think he's an upgrade from last year's QB1, Taylor Heineke. He's got a chance to be the best quarterback they've had here since Cousins. So if he can give you that, it's worth upgrading at an important position.
0: Grant, I have Jahan Dotson on my fantasy team. I'm wondering what your thoughts are for his production this year. Is he going to have a big year?
1: I misheard the name. Was it Dotson? Yes, I have Jahan Dotson
0: on my fantasy yeah, so –
1: I do think he's going to have a big rookie season. Uh, I I think from a fantasy perspective, you want to slot him down your depth chart because I just don't know that the volume or the targets will be there. But I think that there is an upside for him of something like 60 catches, you know, for something like 750 yards or something like that. I I think that that's possible. I think they'll get the ball in his hands. I think they'll screen the ball to him. I think they'll kind of swing it out to him in space. You saw that in the preseason a little bit. Uh, I, I also believe that, teams are going to bracket and then really try to take Terry McLaurin away as best they can as kind of the weapon number one here that can burn you and that should help Dotson a lot. I would also tell you that if Curtis Samuel's on the field a bunch it'll help Jahan Dotson a ton. He has one extra mouth to feed but Curtis Samuel makes it easier to move Dotson inside where I think he'll be most effective in the slot in addition to being outside. Samuel in the backfield might account for You know, a different look from a defense where they've got to pay him extra attention as a guy who's multiple and versatile and does some of those Debo Samuel things at a lot of positions. I think all that could help John Dotson find a little bit more real estate to operate with. So I loved his camp. I loved his preseason. I'm really, really high on the player. I think he's got great hands. I don't think he's going to drop the ball. When it's thrown to him, he's going to make sure catches. And I think it was a good pick. You know, maybe a little bit higher than he was supposed to have gone, but they needed a weapon. They needed someone who can take some pressure off McLaurin and that receiving core, and I think he's going to do that. It
0: is a dynasty league, so I got him long-term. But Oh, we'll then see. you're in good shape. Yeah, we'll see how it works out.
3: All right, Grant, uh, uh, one more for you. It's a two-part question. How do you see this game playing out on Sunday, and how do you see the season playing out?
1: I think they win a close game on Sunday. I'll be really disappointed if they don't. Not from like a fan perspective of being sad, but from a media standpoint of, kind of big picture what they should be right now. It's their third year under Ron Rivera. He's got full control and autonomy of this operation. You know, he says and Dan Snyder said that they've gone and gotten the quarterback that they believe can take them where they want to go. You're opening the season with the teams that picked first and second in the draft last year and I understand they're both improved, but you know, you're not playing Kansas City and, and the Chargers or uh, you know, the the Packers and, and the uh bills in the first two weeks, so you just got to take advantage of that, specifically in week one at home. Uh So I, I believe they win close. I, I think Jacksonville is better and, and because of that, it's not going to be a blowout. Uh, but if they lose, they're in a little bit of trouble. I mean, it's early, and, and they could respond next week going into Detroit, but just on paper, I actually think that Detroit game could be more difficult on the road there, run heavy team, physical, and imposing up front, so I wouldn't want to be 0-1 going to Detroit to play the Lions, particularly if they're at risk of falling to 0-2. All
3: right, Grant, thanks for the time, and hope we can catch up again soon.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, guys.
3: Grant Paulson, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. can catch him 2-6.30 to uh, with Danny Rouye as well. And, Colin, we get some breaking news you uh, see just about a minute ago.
4: Yeah, I wish uh, we could have had Grant on to talk about it a little bit longer. But Logan Thomas is questionable. Cam Curl is out, and I believe I saw that uh, Cole Holcomb also listed as questionable.
3: Which is weird because he wasn't on the the list. the The injury report. The people on the injury report were Cam Curl, Cameron, Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, John Bates, Fedarius Mathis, and Trey Unless I Turner. I read it
4: wrong, and it was Turner. Yeah, it's Cole Turner. Okay. So, I just read it wrong at first. But uh,
3: thanks Grant for the time as always and uh, that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online, They'll deliver to you if you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to hagerstownford.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll break down the Steelers, the Ravens and the other part of the N- and more of the NFL. Plus more. When we wrap things up next on this edition of the of the Sports Mix
2: on Talk Radio WRNR, and TV 10.
3: Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix for September 9, 2022, brought to you in part by the Marys Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343. Stop by their offices at 1270 Winchester Avenue.
4: I was singing along because last night during the Thursday night game, this song came on as uh, one of the bumpers out bumpers to go to commercial. I did remember that. And the commercial it went to, coincidentally, <laughs> was DraftKings and Kevin Hart. So I thought it was funny all the small things, and then Kevin Hart comes on. That's actually TV. kind of
3: funny. I don't so know. I, I wonder if wasn't they was not sure that if NBC did that on
4: purpose or not. But felt like I was like the only one to catch that.
3: I, I guess so. I know yeah. that it played. I heard it playing, but I didn't. Uh, didn't put those two and two together. But you were singing it while I was doing the live read, so I had to turn you off because I know uh, John Everson and Phil I'm a McCoy. Bad well, specifically Phil, I think he wouldn't be happy that you're speaking over his live read. That's true. Next time he sees you, if he's tuned in, he might give you some crap for it.
4: On Tuesday. Yeah.
3: Um, but uh, let's talk more about the NFL. The Steelers get going this weekend against the Bengals. Um, not too sure of the line, but I feel like the Bengals are probably favored in that game.
0: Yeah, that will be a tough one uh, for Pittsburgh to start the year with division opponent, a division rival, um, and the defending AFC champions. So there are some questions, obviously, though, for the Bengals. Burrow's coming off of that surgery that he had in the offseason, so how healthy is he going to be? But based on what we know, I'll go with Cincinnati. I think the Steelers, though, will keep it close. Bengals are favored by 6.5 over under 44.5. Yeah, they might cover that six and a half. I think it's uh, you know a pretty good Pittsburgh team, even though they lost to I, I think at this point Trubisky could honestly be somewhat of an upgrade for him if, if he can play at a high level because Ben really wasn't Ben uh, the past couple of seasons. So uh, I think the Steelers will keep it close, but I'm going to go with the Bengals to win this one.
3: Yeah, I think the Bengals as well.
4: I'm going to get Phil McCoy mad at me again, too, because this morning when he talked to Rob, he said it was going to be 26-23 Pittsburgh getting the win, and I'm going to go with the uh, Bengals as well, and I think it's going to be by two scores.
3: Hey, just saw this on Twitter. The uh, Steelers are going to honor their late quarterback Dwayne Haskins with a number of three decal on the back of the helmets. What a great nice gesture. Touch, yep. It's a great gesture to uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, but... Uh, Moving on, we'll move to the Ravens. Uh Ravens and Lamar Jackson have not reached an agreement. Lamar has reached his time when he said he's not going to negotiate anymore, so he's going to play under his fifth year option in potentially his final
0: season with the Ravens. Yeah. Well, it's all part, can, it's all part have of I said but it's all part of his plan. That. It is true. It is part of my plan that they'll win the Super Bowl and then have to pay him. Uh but And then be mediocre for another decade. Hey, if that happens though, he got a super bowl exactly exactly so um what i was gonna say is it's not the end of the world that he didn't sign his contract one he's going to play under his current contract and two the ravens can still franchise him at the end of the season so he's got at least one more season in baltimore uh after this one so i'm not too worried about it and also i'm kind of of the opinion that the Ravens probably wanted to see what he did this year because last year wasn't a good season for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, very true. And I think now, that's fair. A lot of that had to do with the injuries around him uh, and not having the healthiest team, but it still was a pretty bad year, and I don't think that would be worth you know the Deshaun Watson-type money that he probably is asking for. Is Deshaun Watson even worth that money? Probably not. We haven't seen quarterbacks get that kind of guaranteed contract. It was kind of a a weird situation. But if he goes on to have a great season and the Ravens, you know, either win the Super Bowl or make it very far in the playoffs this year, then he'll probably get that contract here at the end of the season. So I think it's nothing to be too concerned about. Ravens got the Jets on Sunday in New York. So it's going to be an emotional game, 9-11, obviously, anniversary and in, in New York. Uh, and Joe Flacco playing against his former team, so there's a lot of hype surrounding that game. Um, but I do think the Ravens take care of business, and they kind of have to for my sake because they're my survivor pick this week. They're I'm my
3: survivor sure. pick as well. I picked the Commanders as my survivor pick. We'll have my to see regret how those go. I regret that. I mean, yeah, you that. can still change it. Yeah. No. Oh, can you? All right. Yeah. All right, uh, we got a few minutes left He's going to change
0: it now. He's like Trevor Lawrence, year two. They do have an Christian app, so that's nice. There, that man. is nice. I told you, man. Hey, Saints-Falcons, uh, Saints, Falcons, Saints favored by five and a half. What were you saying?
3: Saints-Falcons, Saints, Saints favored by five and a half. Saints. Obviously the Saints are going to that one. 49ers, Bears, 49ers by seven. I got the 49ers.
0: Yeah, I got the 49ers yep. as well.
3: Eagles-Lions, Philly by four and a half. I think the Lions, with a sellout crowd win. Upset. Eagles by
0: a field goal. Who went the Eagles. Could be somewhat close, though.
3: Patriots-Dolphins, Miami by three and a half. That's an interesting one. Patriots. I don't know. Bill Belichick, is he calling the plays now? Is that what was decided? I'm going with it.
0: I'll take the Dolphins.
3: I'll take the Dolphins as well. Uh, Ravens-Jets, since we didn't really get into that. We talked about Lamar. Right. Isn't it uh, Joe Flacco's revenge game?
0: Yeah, we just said that. Yeah, I said all this. You didn't listen to me.
3: I was looking up other stuff. Found some interesting news. We'll get to at the very end of the show. Uh, uh, but the Baltimore is favored by six and a half. Browns Panthers. The line is even. Um, Baker Mayfield revenge game.
1: Exactly. You got yeah, to go stamp it.
3: Uh, Colts Texans Texans by or excuse me Colts by seven. Yep. Giants Titans Titans by five and a half.
0: Uh yeah, the Titans. Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, Packers, Vikings, Green Bay is favored by only one and a half.
0: Where's that Green Bay?
3: It is in Minneapolis.
0: Give me the Vikings. I picked them to win the division. All right, Give me Chiefs. The
3: there you go. I got the Packers as well. Chiefs, Cardinals, Chiefs by six. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. All right, Raiders, Chargers, Chargers by three and a half. I've got the Chargers. I've also got the Chiefs.
4: Got the Chargers.
0: Hmm. All right. Sunday Chargers, but I think it's close.
3: Sunday night game. Dak expected to play even though he's got ankle soreness. The Buccaneers, Cowboys, Bucks favored by two and a half. Will Tom Brady be distracted by everything going on in his personal life? I
0: hope not. He's on my fantasy team. (laughs) He's on
4: my fantasy team in (laughs) another league as well. I I think they get the win. He hasn't lost to Dallas his entire career.
0: Yeah, I'll go with the Bucks as well. But, you know, talking about my fantasy team, Cam Akers got zero points last night. Three carries for zero. Yards.
4: It's
3: okay. I got Knox. He only got one catch for five yards, and he just signed an extension. Unless Speaking of last night's game, Bills and then Rams. Robinson
0: got one catch for twelve yards.
3: Yeah, Bills Rams. We were all. I picked the uh, Bill, or I picked the Rams. Who else picked the Rams? Because Jim Klein I got picked on the me Bills. I picked I was the Rams. I
0: picked the Bills.
3: Hmm? All right. Sorry about that sound playing, but uh, yeah, we are a lot of us were wrong on this. We've got about two thirds minute and a half left. Uh, Colin, I've got some breaking news for you. That's not breaking because it was three hours ago. Okay. Alex Ovechkin is back in the States. He has joined the informal skate at Kettler Cap or at Caps Iceplex. Plex. Good. Hockey season is right around the corner, guys. I'm excited.
0: Didn't it just end?
3: No. It ended before basketball. Feels
0: All like right. it just ended.
3: Well, I'll do it for this edition of the Sports Mix. Uh, exciting weekend in sports. Football Friday. uh Thanks to Grant Paulson for coming on and talking to us about the Commanders. Uh, Tune in tonight, 6 p.m. pregame show, 7 p.m. kickoff between Martinsburg and Sharanda. We'll have it all for you. Talk radio, WRNR, TV 10, WRNR, TV on YouTube. Tomorrow, TV 10, WRNR, TV on YouTube. Shepard hosting Edinburgh for the home opener, 12 p.m. kickoff, 1130 pregame show. Nick and Travis will have that for you. And then on the radio side, 3 p.m. pregame, 6 p.m. kickoff between Mountaineers and kansas then sunday nfl sunday commanders pregame show at 11 a.m with 1 p.m kickoff then sunday night football 7:30 nfl today 8 p.m kickoff from westwood one between the bucks and the cowboys that'll do it for this edition of the sports mix again thanks to grant paulson for coming on and talking to us about the commanders for colin mclaughlin nick versilini i'm spencer Depuis
2: saying so long we'll talk to you on monday you're listening to the panhandle leader in sports coverage talk radio wrnr martinsburg